Uh, when I was a when I was a kid, um, it was a it was almost a normal thing at one point. Like there was like a season where my dad was working in New Orleans. Um, that our family on the weekend uh, would do like these little outings after mass. A lot of times on Sunday. Um, a lot of times, my mom uh, my mom doesn't cook very well at all. Um, but anyway, uh, so what we would do is, is on Sunday, it was our chance to kind of like, okay, let's go get a good meal and just like have a good little family outing. Um, so what we would do, we were in Raceland and we'd go to mass at 10 o'clock, uh, the, the normal 10 a.m., you know, all the old people kind of mass, enjoy ourselves, great. And then we would roll out because if you leave from Raceland right after 10 o'clock mass, uh, you get to New Orleans right about lunchtime. So it was like a perfect setup. Uh, so we would go, we'd go eat and then maybe like go like, pass in the French Quarter, or go walk around Jackson Square, or go get dessert at Cafe Du Monde, or, like, so, I, as a kid, I was, I was familiar with the city, um, with, with downtown New Orleans, and just, like, the, the cultural spaces in New Orleans, right, um, so I remember as a, as a seminarian, years and years later, um, I was, I was placed, we were, I was at Notre Dame, and one of the things that in the seminary we would do, we would always have, like, an outreach ministry that we were involved in, um, as our pastoral assignment, we called it, um, so my pastoral assignment one, one semester was working with an organization called the Bishop Perry Center. Um, it's, a, it's an organization, it's a, uh, it's a center that's like an outreach center for people downtown New Orleans, right? Like in the French Quarter, for anybody that's homeless or things like that, they do all kinds of different things. Um, AA meetings to like resumes and, and giving people a chance to like, like resume writing and, and giving people a chance to like apply for jobs. So it was just a really good little outreach community center that's downtown New Orleans that we were involved with. So I remember when we went to like our orientation, they told us, they said, what we want y'all to do, because it was relatively new at the time, we want you guys to help. Like so it was a team of seminarians. We want you to help just to kind of canvas around and let people know that we exist. So our job was to go out a couple of people at a time. And basically they told us, they said, here's a bunch of pamphlets. We want you to see, if you see a person on the street, doesn't matter if they're a tourist to a homeless person, we want you to walk around and just talk to people. Offer a pamphlet, let them know about our center, and if you, if they, like, always just, like, try and, like, have a conversation with them, right? Um, especially if you, if they look like, or, they, or they've been, like, you know, they're, they're obviously homeless or something, like, if you can help them with something, direct them to come. We have a food pantry. We have, like, these different things what they might need, Right? So it was really, I remember when we were talking about it, we were like, yeah, we're going to end up giving all these things to just like random people on the street, like just like tourists and people that have houses and stuff like that. Like, are we really going to see that many homeless people? And I was shocked because within about three blocks from where the center was, like this little park, I, I remember I was equipped with about 50 or 60 pamphlets in my back pocket. And as we were walking around, we were just giving them out. It took about two hours to go about four blocks. I had given out, I think, about 50 or 45 or so, like almost all, but maybe like four or five of my pamphlets out within the first couple of blocks. And the majority of those people, if they weren't homeless, looked the part. <laughs> and I remember just being kind of shocked at it. Because I was like, there's no way. Like whenever I was a kid, I remember I used to come down here. We go to Saints games and things like that. And, like, we'd beat the heck out of Patriots then, too. But anyway, uh, like, I remember, like, uh, we would go down here and, like, we would walk around and, like, I didn't see homeless people. But on that day, when I was looking for people to talk to, when I was looking for people to, to reach out to, when I was looking for people to share the gospel with, 
Well, all of a sudden, the person didn't look like a trash can. Or they didn't blend into the wall. Or they weren't just another fire hydrant. We were able to actually see people and, and talk to them. I, I think the reason why was because um, as a seminarian, when we were walking around the French Quarter, we, we were looking for the opportunity to share the gospel. And when looking for the opportunity, we could find it. I, I think, and this might just be me, but being in a, in a, in a Christian-dominant culture, a Catholic-dominant culture of South Louisiana, I think a lot of times we take for granted or, or, or we, we assume so we miss the opportunities that we have to share the gospel. Whereas when we're looking for them, they become a lot more obvious. They, they, they jump out. They don't just blend into the wall, to the busyness of our life. Because the interesting, the interesting thing about today's readings, even with, even with all the imagery, and we're going to get into it, and like, I, 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 because I think there's a lot of background, and, and, and there's a lot for us to understand here, to unpack. The thing that we are that 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 Jesus is absolutely non-negotiable, like non-negotiable on, when it comes to the kingdom of God, when it comes to this spreading of the gospel, is the fruit that is born. In fact, the the, the background of today's gospel, I think, actually shows that Jesus cares more about the fruit that is born, the fruit that is produced, more than his own life. Because when he's preaching today, there's a very, very clear background that, that is being understood by the people that he's talking to. The, 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 if you don't know this, the lectionary, oftentimes when you come to Mass, the first reading and the Gospel, thematically, they usually are linked. Usually, the first reading either sets up or puts up or props up the Gospel message in some way, shape, or form. And today, actually, the first reading is a very, very popular story, a very, very popular prophecy from the prophet Isaiah that every single Jewish person knew. They knew their Bible, they knew their scripture, they knew their stuff. And today's first reading is something that was like assumed. It would be like coming to a Catholic and saying, the Good Samaritan. And like, oh yeah, 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 because good, good Bible-beaten Catholics, right? We know what the Good Samaritan is, right? Well, in the same way, like the the... If you don't know what the Good Samaritan is, it's okay. We'll get to that when it's time. But anyway, like the, 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 the story, though, if we want to break open, we can, so we can understand the context of what Jesus says, let's break open the story of what Isaiah says first. Okay? So what Isaiah is saying is, is that there is this vineyard. There's this person that has this vineyard. It's, the person is like allegory of God. But like he's saying, there's this vineyard, and we did everything we were supposed to with this vineyard. We tilled the soil, we planted good seed, we watered it, we built a wall around it to protect it. We did everything we were supposed to in this garden, in this vineyard, to plant good seed, to produce good grapes, so that we could have good wine. Because good vines give good grapes, good grapes give good wine, and good wine makes us feel fine, right? Anyway, so, like, that's what was happening. But what happens is, is that we get wild grapes, or what, what's actually the word is, that we hear is wild grapes or sour grapes. And bad vines give bad wine, and bad wine makes us feel 
bad, all right? And if you don't have any, if you have any questions about that and you're of age, go drink Boone's Farm and let me know how you feel, right? So some pe- older people get that. Younger people are like, huh, I don't know what you're talking about. It, it's this sweet, gross Gatorade taste. Anyway, stuff. Okay. So what Isaiah is saying in this scripture, he's saying we did everything we were supposed to and still got bad grapes. We still got bad grapes. We can't do anything with bad grapes. Bad grapes going to give bad wine. So what should we do? And what, what he says in the prophecy is, then flatten the vineyard. Flatten it. Let it overgrow. Tear out everything. Destroy the wall. Let it go. Don't waste the nutrients in the ground. It's not worth it if you're not going to give good fruit. What this prophecy was is that it was calling out Israel. It was calling out the, it was calling out the Jewish leadership and saying, you have corrupted the goods of God because you are not producing good fruit. And because of it, your vineyard, your temple, your kingdom on earth will be flattened. And twice it happens. Two times in the Old Testament we hear that Jerusalem is sacked and destroyed. Now that's the background. This is like the warning shot. This is every, every Jewish person would have known this. Every person, especially scholars, especially the religious elite, especially the leaders and the Pharisees and all these people, they were experts in their history. They knew their background. So when Jesus starts to tell his story today, they all jump right in. They know exactly what's going on. Because Jesus says, there was a man, and he had a vineyard, and he tilled the ground, and he planted good seed. He did everything he was supposed to. He built the tower. But oftentimes what happens in the parables is what Jesus does is he offers a little bit of a twist. And when he offers the twist, that's where he's trying to draw out a lesson. So he takes a commonly known story, Isaiah's story of the vineyard, and he twists it a little bit. Because he says everything's set up the way it's supposed to. But then, this landowner, after setting it all up, hires some tenants to take care of it, and he leaves. And while he's gone, he, he sends at vintage time, at the time whenever the, the fruits are supposed to be produced, he sends his servants to go and pre- go collect his produce. And when he does, those servants are captured and killed. And then he sends more, and those are captured and killed. Until finally the, the landowner is standing there, and he says, actually, you know what, I'm going to send my son, because of course they would respect my son. Now, and again, seems foolish, because we're like, wait, this doesn't make sense. Because if he didn't listen to any of the servants, why would they listen to his son? What Jesus is saying is, is that you, you, you religious elite, you, you, the elders and the leaders, right? Like, you haven't listened to any of the prophets that have been sent before. Isaiah, you didn't listen to him. Jer- Jeremiah, you didn't listen to him. Over and over, you have not listened to them. And what have you done? You put them to death. All of the prophets of the Old Testament have been sent to you saying you need to straighten up and what has happened over and over again, you have not listened to him. But I'll send my son. 
Now, the, these guys, these, these leaders, they're, as they're hearing the story, they're hooked in, they're locked in. And when they hear, oh yeah, he sends his son, and they kill him as well. What would be a just outcome? What would be, what's going to happen whenever the landowner shows up? And they say that they will put those wretched men to a wretched death. They don't realize they're talking about themselves. Because at this point, at the end of Matthew's Gospel, they're already planning to shut Jesus up. They're already having the conversations behind closed doors of, hey, you know, if we just put him to death, he's going to stop embarrassing us. If we just put him to death, we can go back to living exactly how we are. If we just, if we just get rid of him, then we don't have to put up with his junk anymore. And Jesus is calling him out on it. You're gonna, you will be put, you wretched men will be put to a wretched death. Now, it's an intense face-off. As we read the Gospel, we might not, we might not pick up on that until now, right? Like, it, this is an intense back and forth. But notice what Jesus' biggest warning is. At the end, Jesus does not look at them and say, you need to stop coming after me. That would be my temptation. Like knowing this in the background, knowing that he's coming, like if it would be, I don't know about you, but if, if I knew that people were like, were threatening my life, I would be more concerned about them threatening my life than anything else. I would say, why don't y'all get off of me? Why don't y'all go do something else? Why don't y'all just like, just start naming their plan so that maybe it would like protect me. But Jesus doesn't do that. What he is infatuated with, what he was so concerned about, the biggest thing, he, the, the most important thing in his mind is not his own life. The most important thing in his mind is the fruit that's being produced. Like, think about it. Like, listen to the last words of the gospel. Therefore I say to you, the kingdom of God will be taken away from you. Now, okay, yeah, if you're trying to kill me, the kingdom of God should be taken away from you. But he says, and given to people that will produce its fruit. The kingdom of God will be taken away from you and given to people that will produce its fruit. Not given to people that won't kill the Son of God. It's given to people that will produce its fruit. Think about how important it is to produce fruit as opposed to not kill the Son of God. Now the reason why I point that out, the reason why I think it's so important is because who are those people that that task has been given to now? Real easy. Us. That task was taken away from the Jewish elites. That task was taken away from the, those Leaders and elders and all these people, these, these, in, these people that were supposed to be experts in the law, were supposed to be the perfect people following what God wanted. That was taken away from them. And who was it given to? It was given to the church to go and produce fruit. Fruit that will last. It was put on our shoulders. So we've been given this task of producing the fruit of the kingdom of God. 
of taking care of the vineyard of the kingdom of God. So how you doing in producing fruit? How are you doing at harvest? Because it's been laid on our shoulders, y'all. I don't say that as a mean. I don't say that as a means to like intimidate or to scare. But it's the truth of the gospel that we're here. It's that Jesus has looked at His church and He has said, "Church, you're the ones who will produce the fruit for the kingdom of God." And I think sometimes we can be either so busy, so anxious, or so, uh, or, or, or just so like unfocused on it that we miss opportunities that are presented to us on a daily basis to cultivate and produce the fruit that God is asking for us. This came across my feed this past week, which I think was really interesting. Um, it was, a, it was a Protestant pastor that actually had done this, but I, I thought it was just really an interesting thing. He said, you know, at the end of, at the end of time, and Protestant pastor, but it like, seemed like his theology was legit. Um, he said, uh, he said uh, you know, at the end of time, there's a judgment. And I was like, yeah. And I'm sitting there and listening to it, I'm like, yeah, there's a judgment. We don't like to talk about it very often because the, the judgment makes us feel uncomfortable. And what if we don't measure up? And what if we don't get a passing grade? And then we fail. And then like, oh, I don't get to heaven. I go to purgatory. But if I don't go to purgatory, then oh, goodness. Oh, right? Like, what happens? Like, but there's a judgment. Like, it's part of our theology. And if there's a judgment, like he said, like, what if the question that is asked when we're in line in the judgment is just, what have you produced for me? What have you done for me? He said, just imagine like you're standing in line and it's just like all kind of people through all kind of centuries, all from around the world, right? So for thousands of years, like it's just all the people of all the church and you just happen to get in line and you're like waiting for your interview and you're just kind of like, I don't know what I'm going to say, you know, like whatever. And you tap the person in front of you and you can't really, you don't know him. He's a little bit short, got a beard, you know, a little bit long hair. And you're just like, hey, you nervous? I mean, kind of. What's your name? Paul, like the Paul, like, like, yeah, it used to be known as Saul, but now I'm Paul. Oh, okay, okay, um, you don't have any reason to be nervous. I mean, I don't know. <laughs> I mean, you did a lot, though. Yeah, wrote half the New Testament, was in prison for multiple years, you know, shipwrecked twice, passed the gospel to all kinds of areas in the world, um, was knocked off my high heart, struck blind, and was miraculously healed. I think you're good, you know, like, and then he looks back at you and he's like, so what did you do? Um, I, I went to mass last week. Oh, good job. Anything else? Um, um, I, I pray grace in public. That was good. <laughs> Good luck, all right? You know, like it's, and then it goes in, and then you turn around, and you see like Mother Teresa and Maximilian Kobe like waving in the back. You know, like, like we think about it though, like, what, what's your resume? <laughs> if that's the case, like, like God is actually going to look at us and ask us that one day. What have you done? 
I don't mean that to sound like a Catholic guilt trip, but I think it's worth examining ourselves just to say, like, okay, how serious do I take the mission that has been handed to me by God? How serious do I take this thing called Catholic? (laughs) Do I look for the opportunities to evangelize? Do I look for the opportunities to share my faith? Because they're there. You may be like me, that like, hey, I, I, like, God, I, look, I really, I, I know you're asking me to do this, and I trust that you're asking me to do this, but I'm so full of myself and full of other things on a daily basis that I just have a hard time recognizing it. Maybe that's your prayer. My God, let me just recognize it. Like, be explicit, Lord. I don't know about you, I, I don't pick up on signals, Ever. <laughs> You could probably fall asleep right now, and I'll be like, oh, yeah, keep on talking for eight more minutes. No, I'm kidding. Um, but, like, I, I just, like, I, I, sometimes we just need, like, God to be like, no, now, talk. No, now, answer. So maybe tonight, as you come to Mass, that, that's your prayer. It's like, Lord, just be, be blunt. Be explicit. Speak in a way that I'm going to recognize. Lord, I, I, you know what? It scares the ever-living to think that I would bring up your name outside of church on Sunday. It scares me to do that. Bring that fear to me. Lord, I'm, I'm, look, there are so many people that are better at this than me. Yeah, but the Lord wants your voice. So maybe it's encouraged. Whatever it is that you need, just, just come to Him with it. As we come to Mass tonight, that's our prayer. Very simple. Lord, give me the courage and the awareness to bear the fruit you want this week. Doesn't have to be in every day. But this week, Lord, put one person in each one of our lives that you want me to speak your name to. Just one. And give me the courage to do it this time. The Lord doesn't leave us orphaned and alone in this mission. He continues to give us His grace. He continues to give us His presence. He continues to give us the sacraments and His church and community and all the things as a way of leading us and strengthening us. We still have to have the courage to respond. We prioritize the mission that God has bearing fruit, fruit that will last. That's what he calls us to. May tonight as we come to this Mass, we be strengthened in that mission and given the courage to go forward.